Today, we're talking about an interesting development in pediatric medicine that will likely revolutionize the management of childhood onset diabetes, a disease also known as type 1 diabetes. The advance is known as the artificial pancreas. Sounds like science fiction, but as you're about to see, it's not, and it's almost here. Welcome to Portable Practical Pediatrics, a podcast for parents and families, a place dedicated to children and their well-being. And now, direct from Studio 1E in Charlotte, North Carolina, here's your host, Dr. Paul Smolin. In order to understand this new artificial pancreas technology, we need to take a detour down Science Drive and make sure your knowledge of glucose metabolism is up to speed. Glucose is what is also known as a simple sugar because it is very easy for your child's cells to burn for quick energy or to store as fat. Your child's body has to keep their blood glucose uh, in the Goldilocks range in order to be in good health with a blood glucose not too high and not too low. A high blood glucose will produce diabetes symptoms like excessive thirst, excessive urination, fatigue, and possibly even coma and death. Low blood glucose can be equally dangerous since your child's brain almost exclusively uses glucose for energy. Without enough glucose in their blood, your child will first get sweaty and weak, and if low enough, then slump into a coma. As you can see, whether high or low glucose, it's all bad. Insulin, a hormone made in your child's pancreas, is the hormone most responsible for regulating the glucose system. In a non-diabetic child, insulin unlocks your child's cells to get glucose into those cells and therefore out of their bloodstream, thus lowering their blood glucose. When glucose is scarce, like during fasting at night, insulin levels are usually low. When glucose is plentiful, like after a big meal, however, your child's pancreas is busy making insulin to push that excess glucose into fat cells. So you can see that your child's pancreas, the place where insulin production is controlled, acts as the master regulator of your child's very important blood glucose level. And remember, a pancreas does this all automatically. Now let's consider what is happening in a child with childhood onset, or also known as type 1 diabetes. Unfortunately, in this condition, the pancreas cannot make adequate insulin in response to a meal, since the cells that produced that insulin were destroyed by an autoimmune process when the child first became diabetic. A type 1 diabetic child has to control their own blood sugar by a combination of carefully measured food intake balanced with exercise and insulin injections. Balancing all this is very difficult, as you might imagine. This is a continuous job, 24-7, year in and year out, for the rest of the diabetic's life. No wonder so many teenage diabetics rebel and just refuse to manage their disease, often with horrible consequences as a result. 
To understand just how big a leap the artificial pancreas is in the management of diabetes, it helps to know how it has been managed in the past. The treatment goal when helping a child with type 1 diabetes has always been the same. Keep the child's blood glucose in the narrow range that the child's pancreas did before they got sick, that Goldilocks range. In the early days of diabetes management, doctors did this by having children taste their urine to see if it was sweet or salty. You see, normal urine is salty, and diabetic urine has a sweet taste because of some of the excess glucose in their blood has spilled over into their urine. When the child's urine turned sweet, that meant they needed an insulin injection to lower their blood glucose. Next came what is also was known as the sliding scale management method. Measure the amount of sugar in the child's urine with a chemical reaction rather than with the taste buds. Insulin administration was thus adjusted by the amount of glucose in the child's urine. This offered a little more refinement than tasting urine, but not much. Next came the finger stick measurement of blood glucose and adjustments being made based on this data. Still better, but really not tolerable for most children. Then along came continuous glucose monitors along with insulin pumps. Finger sticks and insulin shots were gone, but this type of management still required the child or their parent to make minute-to-minute decisions about how much insulin to administer via the pump. And of course, this process totally broke down when the child and parents slept since no one was awake to make insulin decisions. Which brings us to the current breakthrough of the artificial pancreas. In reality, the artificial pancreas is simply a computer algorithm that links the data from the continuous glucose monitor to the insulin pump, eliminating the need for guesswork by the child's parent or the child themselves. The biggest advance of this system is that it works when the child is sleeping. The current manual system can't do that. Recent evidence has demonstrated a significant improvement in blood glucose levels with the artificial pancreas over the manual approach being used today. That improvement will likely lead to fewer diabetic complications and a better quality of life for those children who have access to it. Well, now you're all caught up on the science and management of type 1 diabetes. This brings us to the very exciting technology and development an artificial pancreas. The artificial pancreas essentially consists of two parts, a monitoring system for tracking blood sugar levels and a pump that automatically administers insulin to the bloodstream to tightly regulate blood glucose, all controlled by a computer algorithm making the insulin delivery decisions. This algorithm essentially does what the child's pancreas used to do, Although their pancreas is not making insulin, the artificial pancreas monitors blood sugar and automatically administers insulin via an insulin pump as needed, effectively keeping the child's blood glucose in the Goldilocks range. If all goes as planned, the artificial pancreas will eliminate the need for constant monitoring and self-administered insulin, decreasing the risk of hypoglycemia, that's a low blood sugar, a dangerous condition. It also reduces the amount of patient burnout and overall acting like a normal pancreas would. 
This technology is still being developed and has not been approved yet by the FDA, but the current data looks very promising. The days of patients and their families living minute to minute around their child's blood glucose are almost gone, thank goodness. Becoming a type 1 diabetic will no longer mean a life dominated by managing the child's disease. Type 1 diabetes still isn't curable, but the artificial pancreas technology could and hopefully will significantly ease the lifelong burden of diabetes management. Well, as always, thank you for joining me today for another edition of Portable Practical Pediatrics. My goal is to make you the best informed parent in the room. I hope today's installment helps towards that goal. If you haven't taken a moment to write a review of our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, please do so. That helps other parents find our content. We would really appreciate your support. This is Doc Smo, Dr. Paul Smolin, broadcasting for the 11th year from Studio 1E, hoping that your knowledge of pediatrics is first rate and also up to date. Until next time. I would like to thank the following people for their assistance in the production of this podcast. Dr. David Jaffe, the voice of the introduction. Robert Beezer, the composer-arranger of the intro music. Ann Gesner, my wonderful content editor. Benjamin Smolin and Jerome Moof, the talented musicians who produce this delightful theme music. Sarah Smolin and Nathaniel Horlick for their digital wizardry and Wendy Smolin Esquire and Seth, the Rocket Man Barrister Jaffe, for their inspirational guidance. Thanks, guys. By listening to this podcast, you agree to all of the terms and conditions found at the docsmo.com website. This docsmo.com podcast is informational only. Dr. Smolin does not diagnose, treat, or offer specific medical advice for your child. For specific medical advice regarding your child, consult his or her health care provider.